0: You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. doing here that is unique, I believe, to our church, um, that God is reintroducing himself to people. And what I mean by that simply is that some of you have met God, maybe you met God in an early age, maybe you met God in a church when you were little, maybe you met God uh, through some type of religious upbringing, but when you come here and maybe the worship's a little different, maybe it seems like we get a little emotional or we we talk differently than maybe you've uh, realized, but I just want to share or say to you that God is, this is actually a, a side of God as well that God is approachable, God is to be enjoyed, that God is a father, that he's an affectionate, loving father, that he is uh, wanting to take people out of just religious normalcy and take people into intimacy with him. There's a reason why the Bible says that He's the groom and we are the bride. Like it's not just this religion thing that you're supposed to pick up a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts. Now granted, you do need to live your life. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. But as well, I, I love what, um. Chris Hodges says, it's not, if you love me, you'll do what I say. It's more, if you love me, if you focus on loving me, you'll do what I say, amen? So maybe this is just new to you, but I encourage you to stick around. You're like, I don't know about the worst. I don't know about lifting my hands. And, um, there's just more. Look at your neighbor and say, there's more than what, come on, say, there's more than what you're used to. And how many of you think that's good news? Because maybe what you're used to kind of sucks. Like religion by itself without relationship is no good. That's a better way to say that. It's no good. It's no fun. It's not life-giving. It doesn't break any chains. It actually just puts chains on you. So uh, I just feel like the Lord is saying, hey, this is a side of me maybe you've never met before. And press into it. Press into it. There's a reason why. Let me say it like this. There's a reason why the Lord led you here today. He didn't lead you here by accident. He knew what our church was like. He knew that there was more for you, and there's a reason why you're here today, and it's because God is actually drawing you in to a deeper, real relationship with him in this place. That's what he's desiring. It's not just a Father's house thing. It's a Bible thing. So, anyways. um, hmm. So, before we get into today's message, we should probably pray. I got a lot on my heart. I got like five pages of things. We'll see what... It's 11.33. Some of you are thinking, man, you, we usually get out of church at this time. <laughs> we want to give God what he's worthy of, amen? And so let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. Um, Lord, I thank you that you are a father, that you are also a king, that you are also a judge, Lord. But you are also Abba. And we are first a son and daughter, Lord, and we have been invited into your family, Lord. God, I thank you that this morning is a family meeting of God's people. And I love when Jesus said, he didn't just say my father, he said our father who is in heaven, inviting people into that family. And God, I just thank you that today people are going to step into the royal family of heaven. God, I just ask you to come and just give people ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive, Lord, that you would just use me just to be a vessel of honor for you this morning, Jesus. Fill me afresh and anew with the Holy Spirit, the fresh filling and baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire, even now, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. We'll shorten this one a little bit. Put your hands out in front of you like this to receive. Say, Jesus. I receive anything that's from you. Amen. That's good enough. Some of you were scared at first. I receive anything. What? You'll do it next time, it's okay. Um, so this past week, I have a few things, a direction I feel like the Lord wanted to take us this morning. Uh, I was also listening to um, the Helsers uh, like a month or two, I don't even remember, but she started out her message with something I thought was just really profound. Because um, there's, there's something about preaching to people and getting up on a stage and having a microphone that the enemy wants to like bring a lot of pressure to for performance, right? <laughs> And just a lot of, um, and, and so I remember what she said in her sermon, she started, she said, I, I didn't come here today to, to wow you. <laughs> I didn't come here today to impress you. I came here today just to give what the Lord has given me. And, I, and that's what I want my heart to be. That's what I want everybody who steps on this platform, that we're not just trying to give you some big, great revelation because we're amazing. We just wanna give simply what we believe the Lord is trying to give this morning, amen? And be ourselves in the process, um, I was talking to a guy recently, and they're like, how did I do it sharing the other night? And I was like, well, you were yourself, so it was good. <laughs> Don't try to be anybody else. So um, this past week, I was on a Zoom call um, with some uh, mentors of mine, with Live Streams Ministries, Pastor Dan Reynolds. How many of you have met Dan? The, the British guy, the bald guy that makes fun of the way we talk. Uh, But Dan, uh, I was on a Zoom call, and this Zoom call is just so humbling. I get to be on this Zoom call with people from all over the world, with um, ministers in England. His parents are in Afghanistan. Um, It really brings a reality check very quickly when I'm on these Zoom calls (laughs) of how just blessed we really are in America and how blessed we really are in our cities and just how blessed we are when I'm talking to missionaries on a Zoom call or, you know, in Afghanistan. Um, It's very sobering. (laughs) But anyways, Dan said something really powerful. Let me get to my point. Um, he was talking about, uh, he was meeting with a couple this past few weeks in his church, uh, a, um, a married couple for dinner. And this couple was a part of a, a revival that broke out in uh, Canada in the 90s. And it was called in Toronto. And he was asking them, it was John and Carol Arnott's church. And maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you've heard of Randy Clark. may have heard of Randy Clark? I mean, have you heard of Catch the Fire? Anybody? Awesome. Wonderful. Um, so anyways, he was asking him, this is the point. Um, he was asking them, uh, hey, what was going on in the church? What was happening in the church before God began to bring uh, this move of God and this move of the spirit where people, uh, so many evangelists and people were launched from that place and millions of people have been born again all across the globe out of that meeting? And he asked him, what, what was happening What was going on? What was the direction of the church? And this just really hit me in my spirit when he shared this and I began to just tear up. He said there was about 200 people in our church and we started a journey of taking people through the healing of the heart. Did you hear me? Let me put it in our language. He started a journey of going through freedom and identity in Christ. Starting to figure out who God is and who he says you are. How many of you know it's not arrogance to be confident in who God says you are? It's not arrogance to be confident in what he says about me. So for me to say, hey, I'm his son. He's my father. I'm a co-heir to the throne. I'm seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the father with Christ. That's not arrogance. It's confidence. That he calls me my name. He says you are mine. Right? Right? And it just just really touched me. And he was like, man, we took people through healing and getting, what he's saying is that how many of you know when you get saved, you still got some trauma and some junk that is still affecting the way you live your, your life with Jesus now. And you're trying to bear fruit with Christ, but you keep sometimes bearing bad fruit. And it's because a lot of times there's some strongholds, there's some thinking patterns, there's some trauma that still needs to be uprooted. And from that place, then... Once you know who God is and you know who you are, then you can be effective to minister to others. I'm not just talking about that you're good at not doing the bad sins. Because I feel like that's what we think maturity means in the church. Like, well, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't really cuss. You know, that's cool. And I read my Bible every morning. That's great. But if you don't actually know who you are, and know what you have, and you're still walking around in performance and trying to prove yourself and looking for approval in all the wrong places, maybe you're even looking for approval inside of the church. Looking for approval in what you do for God instead of what he's done for you. All of these things we need freedom from, and I believe that's what God is doing. When he was talking, I said, that's it. That's what the Lord is doing at the Father's house. He's healing the broken. He's healing people. He's gathering broken people, and he's gathering people who understand who they are in Him, so He can bring in a harvest. Can somebody say Amen? amen. Remember this past year, I said um, I felt like the Lord was saying, "We need all hands on deck, all hands on deck." Look at your neighbor and say, "That's you." Somebody say, "That's me." And this is His desire. I believe. Remember the Psalm, like, man, He's raising up an army. He is raising up an army, and I love uh, what Mike Hutchins says. is that God is raising up an army of heart healers and chain breakers to go out and destroy the chains of bondage off of people. That's what he's doing. We're stepping into a time, and, and just, just follow me for just a moment. I'm going to give you some scriptures here in a minute. Some of you are like, man, is he going to talk about the Bible? Yes. I've already said a lot of them. I just didn't quote them. If you read it, you'd, you'd catch it. Just, kidding. I'm just I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Moving on. But it's, I believe what we're seeing in our world is that people are getting more and more and more broken. Why? Because sin is getting more and more and more common. It's beginning, the, the nastiest, dirtiest things are the things we're trying to say are the best things now. And what's gonna happen, how many of you know that what the enemy uses for evil, God uses for good? What's gonna happen, I promise you, is that we're gonna start to see a turn. We're going to see the tide turn where people have everything they think they want, every sin they could ever imagine, the weirdest, crappiest, nastiest stuff, and they're going to realize they're still broken and empty. And at this time, the church has to be ready and the church has to be ready to fight, ready to step into a place of saying, Hey, I used to be there too. And I still struggle sometimes. But I'm holding on to something. I've found out who I am. I've received some healing. I've let God into my heart. I've let people into my heart. I've broke down the walls. I've done the hard work. I've done the internal hard work of saying, God, what's really going on in me? This is what we mean by let's get free. It's God, what's really going on in my heart and in my life? Why do I respond these ways? Why do I act like this? Why am I guarded? Why do I have these walls up and letting the Lord come in? And bring healing and restoration. So I believe the Lord is going to raise up an army, and He is, but He's looking for people who are willing to go deep in their own hearts so they can help others get free as well. Amen? So the whole as I was praying about this, I felt like the Lord led me to the story of David. So how many of you know King David, right? Uh, this is the man who, who, who killed Goliath. Right. We always, I many of you know, there's like so many kids stories about, excuse me, David and Goliath. It's kind of funny because we, we kind of leave out the part where he grabs his sword and cuts off his head, though. Right. <laughs> These aren't just cool little fairy tale stories. <laughs> you know what I mean? For nursery rhymes and nurseries. Imagine if that's what we painted in the walls in the nursery. <laughs> We're doing a Goliath room and it's just a, a Goliath's head, you know, holding up by David because, <laughs> you know what I mean? That'd be more accurate, right? We want to be biblically accurate, right? But David was this this shepherd boy. So in 1 Samuel 6, 7, um, this is where, so God was looking for a king. Man was looking at the outside. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, that God looks, excuse me, getting ahead of myself. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. When man chose a king, they looked for the strongest, the tallest, the wisest. They were looking for what you could see from the outside. But when God chooses people and chooses his king, he looks for those that are humble and hidden. And he finds them. And it's just a, just a small point here before I get into the rest of this. But his family, didn't even, his family didn't even include him. Like, hey, bring me your sons. They didn't even include him in that. How many of you ever felt left out from your family? The like, Bible is just so relatable. And then, he wasn't included, uh, but, but Samuel, God had a call on him. And let me just say this as a little side point. If you are called to lead God's people truly, God will make sure that you get appointed. Even when man is trying to count you out, God will make sure that he counts you in, okay? You're not gonna have to push your way through something, amen? So God chooses, um, he, he looks at the heart for people who he's calling. He's not looking for who the world thinks is good and mighty. So in 1 Samuel 22, the Lord took me to David at the cave of Adullam. How many of you ever heard of this story? David at the cave of Adullam. So David is at this place where he's defeated Goliath. Then all of a sudden, Saul gets jealous. Saul starts trying to kill David. Um, I can kind of see why, to be honest with you. They would sing songs. They would say, you know, Saul kills his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. (laughs) It's like, man, has anyone ever sang a song? To you, to hate on you. (laughs) They're chanting songs. And so you find David running for his life. You find David going from this high point in his life to a very low point in his life where he's running from Saul. He's actually acting crazy. He's getting distressed. And he's literally, at one point, he goes to Gath to seek refuge, which is kind of crazy, which is a whole other sermon, which is the birthplace of Goliath. Not a good place to go. Side point, when you get mad at people in the church, don't go to the world for comfort. Moving on. But David at the, at the cave of Adullam, 1 Samuel 22, verse um, 1 and 2, it says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Somebody say Adullam. Adullam. And when his brothers and all his fathers heard it, they went down there to meet him. And everyone who was in distress, say distress. Adullam. And everyone who was in debt, say debt. And everyone who was bitter in soul, say Bitter. They gathered to him, and he became commander over them. And there were about four hundred men. The Bible says these men were in distress. These were men who their lives weren't easy, or their lives weren't all together. Can any of us relate? Man, is just like the enemy to try to just show you all the reasons why you can't do things for God? He wants to bring up all the little things in your life that says God can't use you because this thing isn't completely right. Look at your past. Look at where you've come from. Look at your story. Look at your testimony. Look at your sin struggle. But God has a habit of actually gathering the broken. He has a habit of gathering the distressed. These are people who, who, who understood trouble, who understood pain, but yet they were gathered with him. They had marriage issues. They had personal issues, whatever it may be. Then the Bible says he gathered those who were in debt. These are people who understood failure. People, who, How many of you, you've been in, you don't have to raise your hand, but you've, been, you've, been you've got yourself in some debt that you know you shouldn't have been in and it just brings so much shame because you're like, man, I know I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't have stepped to this place, but here I am. And then the enemy's right there saying, yeah, look at you, you're a poor steward. You're a poor steward with your money. So these men that were coming to him, these are men who were probably ashamed of their debt. They were ashamed of things that they couldn't pay. I don't know about you, but as a man, if you feel like you owe something and you can't get it, it gets at you. Can anybody else relate? When you feel like you gotta ask somebody for help because you got yourself in a bad situation, it puts you in a rough place. But these are the kind of people that joined David. The Bible says those who were discontented, the Hebrew says that they were bitter in soul, AKA they were depressed, new language. They were depressed. They were were hurting people whose lives have been just, uh, they were mad at their own life and they were mad at what was going on with Saul, but God decided to bring David. He didn't bring David the best looking, the strongest. If you were gonna pick a team of warriors, it wasn't these men. If you were gonna say, these are gonna be the people who we're gonna send to David, the king, and then they're gonna go and fight, you wouldn't pick these people. It's just like if you get a basketball team and somebody's, 411, and you're playing pickup, unless he's Mugsy Bows. I'm glad I'm showing my age right now. <laughs> They're not playing. <laughs> so God's not, he, he's, he doesn't pick people like you might pick people. Yeah. He doesn't pick people like the world might pick people. He actually, a lot of times, He uses broken people. <laughs> People in distress, people that are hurting, people that are discontented. And I love this part, that even though what kind of, I was thinking about this story and I thought this is kind of crazy. Why David is here kind of running for his life. If you read uh, Psalms 57 and 142, you can kind of see David's not always in a really good place in this time of his life. He's also depressed. But these men, they come to him still. And I started thinking, why would they do that? I believe these men knew who he was. They knew he was David who killed Goliath. They knew he was called to be the king. And these, these, people, these men believed in him more than they, he believed in himself. And you need people around you that when you get in dark places and you go start going sideways, that you have people who are also, but they're still coming to you because they believe in you more than you believe in you. You gotta find some friends like that. We gotta. I love that one of the definitions of accountability is not just pointing out what everybody's doing wrong, it's calling people's purpose and destiny out of them and saying, hey, remember what God has said about you. Remember, he's called you to greater things. Not just, hey, you're sinning again. It's like, yes, you're sinning again, but remember, you have a call in your life. Remember what God is doing in your life. Remember the things that you wanna do for God. And he found these men who, who gathered to him. So, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to have a lot of friends when everything's going well, amen? But well, pay attention to the people who are with you in your dark places. Pay attention to those people. You know, I had a, oh man, there was a scripture I was um, thinking about, was about Jonathan um, and his, his armor bearer. And he was talking about his armor bearer. said, listen, I'll go wherever you go. I trust you. And I started thinking, man, who are some of them people for me? Who are the people that that will come get me out of the cave? And my first one that came to my mind was Juan. And he literally has. As I was talking about last week, he came to my house. And I was in a dark place. So did Lisa. I'll put y'all together. And they came to my house in a dark place and said, hey, you know what? We're gonna come to this cave with you. (laughs) I thought, man, that's so powerful. You need people like that in your life. Somebody say, I'm gonna be that person. I'm not going to be that person going around putting people on the prayer team or the prayer list, aka the gossip list. Not at our house though, not in this church. That's not what I'm saying. How many of you have heard people just say, hey, they call you just to tell you something about someone and then they they end it with, well, we'll be praying for them. It's like, well, why you talked for 15 minutes about all the gossip and the bad things going on. Well, they they need prayer. Then you should just pray. (laughs) We didn't need all the details. And we can all be guilty of it, let's be real. So, so these are broken men that became mighty men, that became warriors. First Chronicles talks about these men in a different way. It lists it over and over again in chapter 11. It says the mighty men that were with David, the mighty warriors that were with David. And 2 Samuel 23, 8 through 12, it says, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Hold on a second. I thought these men were distressed and in debt and depressed. What happened? These were the names of the mighty men who David had. I can't pronounce some of these words. That sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at once. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the height, Lord help me, one of the three mighty men with David. So you see how it says over and over again, he's talking about these mighty men of God who went out and became mighty warriors in the king's army. These were the same men. Whew. These were the same men. He's, and this is what Jesus is still doing today. He's gathering the broken, the distressed, those in debt, those discontented, those depressed. And he's turning them into mighty men and women of God and using them for his glory. This is what he does. This is who he is. It's not just something Jesus does now. This is something God was doing thousands of years ago. Come on. Oh. That's what he's doing right now. That's what he's doing in this place. That's what he's wanting to do with all of us in this room. He's wanting to take things that seem as they're weak and make them strong for his glory. Somebody say I'm mighty. I used to watch Mighty Mouse as a kid. Anybody else? I'm really showing my age. Some of y'all thought I was 21. Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse. Mighty warriors for God. Any of you Gen Z people know who Mighty Mouse is? Nope. (laughs) Okay. Look him up. He's way better than Mickey Mouse. He's mighty. Less witchcraft. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. So these broken men became mighty warriors for the Lord. So uh, I believe one of the reasons why God loves to use broken people Uh, And let me say this, God's just not looking, he's only, he he wants to use uh, not just the broken and downtrodden and distressed either. Like some people think, well I don't have a story, I don't have a testimony, I haven't been on drugs, can God really use me? Let me remind you of Samuel in the Bible who was dedicated to the Lord at a very young age and walked the Lord all his life and became a prophet for God. He wasn't the downtrodden, he wasn't the outcast, he wasn't the broken. It's not just those, but there's one thing that is the um, the, the, the excuse me the variable um, that put the, can't talk. I'm not even drinking coffee anymore. <laughs> the thing that you need, for lack of better words, is understanding and recognizing your desperate need for Him. Yeah. It's easier for the broken to understand it. And he's not saying I can't use the people who are not as traumatized as others. He's just saying that I usually can't because they don't see their need for me. Does that make sense? And so, but God loves to use the broken because for me, it was easy to understand that I need it. When I go to the jail and you're in a rough place and you're on drugs and you're coming down off of heroin, it's easy to understand that you're not really in a good place. But for people who, I got a good job, I got a 401k, I got a wife, I got a car, I got a truck, I got some stuff paid for. What do I need Jesus for? Everything. Not just your salvation, but your peace, your comfort, your joy. To provide for you. So you stop having to worry and put that all on your own shoulders. So God uses broken people. You see this in... The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18, 11 through 13, it says the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. This is the super religious person, if you could say it that way. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, basically he's saying, hey, God, I thank you that I'm not like these super traumatized, broken people. They're real messed up. I've had a pretty good life, Lord. I'm pretty good. Or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. I go to church every Sunday and I've always paid my tithes. Lord, Lord, I'm amazing. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There was this difference of what? Difference of the heart. How I many of you know that God can redeem and use the Pharisees as well, but they were just missing one thing. They needed to humble themselves to see their desperate need for him. It was a lot easier for Mary Magdalene and the fishermen and the lowly and the broken and the prostitutes to look to him for help, for the lame, for those who were blind. It was easier for them to recognize their need. That's why it was the Sanhedrin. It was the religious one saying crucify him because they had all their religious stuff in order. But he would say to them, you are whitewashed tombs. He was saying, you're, you're, you clean the outside, but you're dead on the inside. He was saying, you haven't done the eternal work. You're not actually doing things for me because you love me. You're doing them to, to prove yourself to other people that you're good enough or you're better than them. But the tax collector recognizes his needs and says, God, have mercy on me, Lord. How do you set yourself up for God to use you? Hey, listen, this is good news. If you're extremely broken, extremely crazy past, you're a prime for the Lord. And if you're not, maybe you haven't had a lot of crazy stuff going, I can still promise you there's identity issues, there's freedom issues that you have, they're just different than others. And you're prime for the Lord. All you have to do is recognize your desperate need for him. You gotta get a hold of John 15 when he says, "'Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing, right? Because I think that's what the, it kind of encompasses is this idea that I got it. I'm not as screwed up as other people. I got this. No, 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 no. It's a complete opposite. God, I can only do this because of you. I can only do this because of your grace and your mercy for me. Amen? So remember, we I preached tons of sermons on, compare, on comparison. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to the Lord. So, we have to recognize our need for the Lord. Luke 5:32, Jesus said, "I have not come to call the righteous but for the repentance of sinners." He's not he's looking for the lowly. Looking for those who recognize, "Lord, I'm a sinner in need of you. I'm in need of your grace. I need you, Jesus." Look at your neighbor and say, "I need you." <laughs> so God's looking for the humble. Amen. 11:59. Come on. Whew. Times the game start today? Two? Oh, we're good. Plenty of time. How many of you are actually Chiefs fans in here? Liars. You just. <laughs> you all just like to win, bro. We know. We know who you are, bro. You bought a jersey this year. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um. God, please help the 49ers to lose today. God, in Jesus name. I ask you right now, Lord. Who's in agreement? Anybody? I get the Bible. Come on, somebody. I got, the Bible says we're two or more. We can touch and agree. Come on. We can do this. All right, moving on. Next point. Uh, I should have put my QR code on there. Oops. You can put that on there now if you guys haven't already, but maybe you did. Uh, you can get my notes. You can look at them later. Could you guys just start putting that up every week? Because I'll probably forget it. Um, so God usually uses broken people. He's looking for people who understand their need for him, amen? And also, he uses broken people and he wants to use broken people to heal other broken people, amen? Uh, Paul would say in first or Second Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, he says, praise be to the God of the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we, somebody say me, can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort ourselves we receive from God he's saying listen if you read that 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 chapter Paul is saying hey we've been through so much stuff but actually what we found out in the midst of that that God was the source of all our comfort and from this place we give God praise and glory because now we can comfort you and this is what God is wanting to do He's saying, hey, this is your junk, this is your stuff you're messed up in, this is the stuff that you, be- these are the lies you believe, you're not good enough, you gotta prove yourself, you're nasty, you should be ashamed of yourself, whatever it is, he's saying, get a hold of the truth and then now you're gonna go help hold people by the hand and walk them into freedom as well. You've gone through some things. Man, I, I love, th- this is the vengeance of God. The vengeance of God is not smiting the enemy. The, the vengeance of God is not to kill the sinners. The vengeance of God is to take the mess that the enemy tried to mint for evil and use it for good. And actually say, Oh, devil, you thought you won because that girl got abused. You thought you won because that happened with her dad. Well, guess what? Now she's going around. She volunteers at the uh, New Beginnings here in town. She's going around sharing her story and she's giving hope to all the broken women. Come on. This is what it's about. It's not just so you can even just, it's not even just so God can just heal you. It's just that through you, he can heal others. He wants to heal other people with your story. And it's not about you though. Don't get it twisted. Some of you think, well, I need to share. No, no, it's not about you. You can't minister to others when you're thinking about how they need you. They need him through me. They don't need me. They don't need you, they need him. Everything I do, be careful of people who point you to themselves. Be careful being around people who draw people unto themselves. Just, you know, does this make sense? Be careful being around people that somehow seem to draw you like you need them. No, you need the Lord. I can help you get connected to him. I can can show you the way I will walk you to that place. And we can help one another. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We can help each other find it, amen? So I love that. He says, hey, we've, we've received all this suffering, and actually we found the source of comfort, and now we can comfort you guys. He's like, so hey, don't be discouraged. We've been there too. How many of you have been encouraged when somebody looks at you and you're going through a hard thing and say, I-, I get it. I've been there. It's rough. But this is what the Lord taught me in that place. We need to continue to tell the things and the revelations that God taught us in our dark places to others in those places. That's what they're for. They're there to give away. They're not just for you. God spoke to me. God told me these things. That's why I'm gonna share this story about God speaking to me and showing me that I was not being empathetic and showing me these things in my, my marriage that now I have to work on and now I can encourage other people who struggle with empathy as well and say, hey, this is what God did with me. <laughs> he set me down. But he taught me some things and he comforted me. And for days when I was sick with brain fog and just having to yoke up with him, he comforted me. Amen. So he wants to use you to help reach other people. Um, 12.05. Glory. Hmm. Hmm. Does this make sense to you guys? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um. I think the last point, the last thing I'm going to say here this morning, um, I believe God... Loves to use the downtrodden and the lonely and the broken because it, it gives him the most attention, and it also gives. Um, th- there's so much hope. You people carry so much hope. Like when I go to, but uh, into the Carinet banquet, and you hear the story. Carinet is a local organization that helps. Um, um, girls who are uh, just in a rough situation, they find themselves pregnant or with STDs or guys or whatever and they're there to extend a hand to help them, to, um, to bless them and to encourage them to keep their babies and not to abort their babies. And um, I was at the, the, the banquet and there was a testimony of this girl who went through the program and she was, she was going and planning to get an abortion and after going through Care Net, after hearing the baby's heartbeat, she decided not to. And she was on this video and she's giving her story. I mean, how vulnerable is that? She's in front of all these business people in town, a lot of people with money in town at the, at the convention center. And she's getting up in front of everybody and say, yeah, I was actually this broken uh, young girl that was pregnant, not doing things the right way. And actually I was gonna abort this baby. But she gets up to tell this story. And you know, the whole time the enemy's right there hoping that she's gonna do it. <laughs> but she doesn't she keeps the baby and it shows this video of her and her baby and then she's actually in the meeting she's in the table sitting in front of us she stands up and has her baby and there was just so much hope in the room I remember thinking I don't know why I'll even hire a guest speaker take up an offering what else do you need to know it works (laughs) you know what I mean but there was something about God using super broken people and because it gives so much hope to the lost world. When When I go into the jail and I get to go into the jail when I tell a lot of these guys, hey, I used to be in this same jail in this same service, just like you. They're kind of like, what? And I say, yeah, and chaplain used to come get me out of my cell cause my mom would call him. Hey, my son's in jail, go talk to my son. He'd come get me out of my cell. And come speak to me. And then I tell him, now I said, now I've said a pastor of church, how it goes in my church. And they're like, what? I'm like, yes, this is what God can do. This is what he can do. This is who he is. And I believe that's what he's doing in our midst. And something he's been doing for thousands of years. He's wanting to gather the broken. And here's the news flash: we're all broken. It's everybody, <laughs> it's everyone. And some of us just a little, been through a little worse things than others. But just because it wasn't as bad as, as you think doesn't mean it's not as hard for that person. Amen? Psalms 113, verse five through eight. Our worship team, can you come? Our dream team meeting tonight, I don't know he did say, if you are officially on the dream team, you're welcome to come. If you're not, go to the journey. <laughs> oh, it'd be so good. This is not a special dinner for our biggest titlers. This is a special dinner for our people who serve. Okay, just so you know, you're like, what is this private thing going on? It's for people who serve the church, just to bless them. Psalms 13, 5 and eight. I love the first sentence of this scripture: Who is like the Lord? How many of you are singing some, we sing so many songs. Who is like the Lord? But like, have you really thought about that? The answer is there is no one like him. There is none beside him. There is no one more holy. These aren't just cool words, guys. <laughs> There's no one more holy, none like you, none beside you. You are holy. It says, who is like the Lord, our God, who is seated on high, who looks down from on the heavens to the earth. I love this verse. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He makes them to sit with princes and with the princes of his people. Another translation said he takes the paupers and sets, his, sets them as princes among his people. This is, this is Old Testament. Jesus isn't the, the good version of God the Father in the Old Testament. This is still the same God. Who's saying, you know what, I I take the broken, I take the lonely, I take the needy, and I raise them up. And I use them for my glory. Um, That's what I believe the Lord is doing, and he's doing it now. And he wants to continue to do it. He wants to take this smaller group of people and say, hey, would you go on a journey with me? Would you deal with the, the hard stuff in your own heart? Will you find healing? Will you find the stuff that you need? Will you get rid of the lies? Will you understand who you are in Christ? Will you know who God is and from that place, can we go out and actually make a difference? I believe the Bible says that the harvest is ready but the labors are few. I believe there's a few things we need to do. Number one, is just to humble ourselves before him. For those of you who think you don't have any problems, you got to humble yourself before God this morning. There's an opportunity. Will you stand? I love that prayer of David in Psalms 51, where he says, search me, O God. If there's anything anxious thoughts in me, anything in me that's not of you, rid me of it. We must be humble, we must pray, and we must get ready. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. I wanna raise expectation in this room right now to get ready for the more that God has for this church to bring the lost, the broken, the needy out in the highways and byways to come into a place. And they're not just going to come here to meet a pastor. They're not going to come here to meet an evangelist. They're not going to come here to meet a staff member. They're going to come here to meet a story. They're going to come here to find hope from everyone in these pews right now. They're not just gonna need to come to talk to Pastor Mike or Pastor Faith. They're gonna talk to Jeremy. They're gonna talk to Steve. They're gonna talk to Jordan. They're gonna talk to Scott. They're gonna talk to Blake. They're gonna talk to Logan. They're gonna talk to Joy. And they're gonna see, oh, there's hope for me. It's not just people on the stages that have it together and have the answers. No, it's people just like you who came to God distressed and broken and he raised you up to be mighty people in the Lord. Somebody say, that's me. Man. Oh, can we just praise? put your hand over your heart. Holy Spirit, come. Go deep, Lord. Let this be a year, God, of just going deeper. Bible says that you have given apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And it goes on to say that we would grow up in the faith and the unity, that we would grow up into you, God. Go deeper, Lord. Go deeper. More of you, less of us this year. Show us the places in our hearts and in our lives that you're still trying to work on, that you're still trying to bring freedom to. Some of you went through freedom and only experienced 30% of what God had for you. There's more for you. Some of you presented maybe uh, had 80%, there's more for you. And those of you who are walking in more wholeness than ever, there's still more for you. You have to fight for your freedom. Lord, help us to stay in the fight. Help us to stay in the fight, not just wait for a service, not just wait for a conference, but Lord, every day, help us to stay in the fight with you, Jesus. Can our prayer team come? Mm. Can we just say this out loud, say, Lord, make me ready. Come on, say it louder, Lord, make me ready. Come on, not just ready for heaven, friend, I'm talking about ready for God to use you for his glory, to advance his kingdom on this earth. Listen, if your sin is washed away, you are ready for heaven. But we got to be ready for the work of the ministry if we're going to see God bring the broken to this house. Amen? Amen. If there's anyone here today that maybe you say, hey, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus at all. I've never been born again. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not just some are worse than others. No, everyone has sinned, every single person on this earth. The Bible also says in Romans 5, but when you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. There's hope this morning. If you have never given your life to Jesus, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you got to believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You got to believe that he paid the price for your sin. And you got to believe that he rose from the grave. If that's you and you say, hey, I believe that. I need to give my life to him. Would you lift your hand up right now, boldly in this place? Come on, don't be ashamed in this place. Don't be ashamed. This is the, this is a place of hope and freedom. If that's you, lift up your hand high. Come on, he hung on a cross for you in public. He wasn't ashamed. Anybody, I need to give my life to Jesus. Anybody at all? Somebody's pointing to Somebody. Come on. Hallelujah. Listen, don't be afraid. Don't let the enemy lie to you. And I would encourage you. I know there's a couple in here. Maybe you're a little nervous. Before you go, there's nothing to be... um, This altar is not a place of shame or condemnation. This altar is a place of mercy and acceptance by God. If you need to give your heart to him before you go, please come. The person that's with you, do me a favor the person you're with. Look beside your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you need to go? Say, I'll go with you before we leave. Say, today's your day. Right, I got a few things from our prayer team. They felt like the Lord was saying this morning, if these apply to you, you can come for prayer. Hey, if you need healing in your body or you just need prayer for anything, our altars are open. Uh, But here's a few things, pain in your tooth that you have a metal feeling, pain in the middle finger of your right hand. Um, Another thing is intestinal problems, Uh, feeling of hopelessness. Believers who are struggling with addiction, whether it's prescription drugs, alcohol, God wants to remove that from you. I believe today, and just feeling burdened and just feeling overwhelmed in general. We ask you to come if any of that pertains to you. And once again, if you need prayer for anything, you're welcome to come. So do me one last favor. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, is any of that you? Do you need prayer? Say, I'll go with you. Awesome. Let me pray over you, Father. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your grace thank you for your grace to walk out the things you've called us to walk out holy spirit empower us walk with us talk with us speak to us redeem us restore our hearts lord in jesus mighty name Can we put our hands together for jesus one last time if you need prayer please come Bless you guys. Be friendly on your way out too. Go grab your kids. Dream Team Celebration tonight at 6. Entrance C. Love you all very much.